Keep listening to Gay SA Radio, where you are family. Hello and welcome to our show, Let's Talk. As you well know by now, this is a show where we discuss various topics of common interest to us all. And we do that by bringing in experts in the field. I am your host for today, um, Dr. Ezio Baraldi, and with me in the studio today we have a legal eagle, Francois Milan. He is a practicing attorney with a particular interest in LGBT issues. Welcome, Francois. Thank you, Dr. Baraldi. Pleasure. So you've come to give us some information, some very important and critical information about same-sex partnerships seen from a legal perspective. Is that correct? That's correct. Good. Wonderful. I think we need that information. So, are there any myths about the common law marriage? There is, especially in our LGBT community, there's a general myth that common law marriages marriages exist. There is no such thing in the South African law. Wow. Whether you've been in a relationship for five years or 15 years, there still needs to be a proper agreement between the parties or the parties should get married in terms of the Civil Union Act. So the only thing that legalizes or gives you some legal rights is that either a contract or uh, the, the requirements of the Civil Law Act. Yes. That's the only way you can do it. The contract that uh, we use in this instance is a cohabitation agreement, which is basically in essence the same as a partnership agreement. Okay, okay. And this needs to be done when you decide to go into a partnership or five years down the line when you think the partnership is going to be a constant thing or when do you do it? No, preferably when you enter into a long-term relationship. So it's the same as with a heterosexual marriage. You write the contract but you don't know where you're going with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, yes. okay, so we don't have any more certainty than that. Yes, it's the same with heterosexual relationships. There's no law regulating these relationships. And that is why you need to enter into either the agreement or marriage. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like a lot of work to do. So when do you know that you are in a life partnership? What qualifies as a life partnership? Okay. So basically when assessing the factors, uh, whether a same-sex life partnership is in existence, taking into account the following, the stability, the exclusiveness and permanence of the relationship, Secondly, acknowledgement of the relationship by the couple's friend, relatives or acquaintances, the period of cohabitation, the commitment of the couple to share, maintain and manage a household, the financial and emotional support towards each other, and of course whether the couple has jointly purchased immovable property and has joint insurance whether the parties are reciprocal beneficiary on, in each other's will and the conduct or express intention of the parties to be in a permanent life partnership as well as the existence of a written agreement between the parties as mentioned before. Wow, that's a lot of stuff to do. Sounds to me like it's a lot of work. Well, that's only a few of the factors um, that, that's taken into account to establish or assess the situation. That is also the factors that a court can take into account whether there is a dispute, whether this life partnership exists or not. Okay. 
So an interesting thing that I picked up, you said one of the points was the stability, exclusiveness and permanence of the relationship. Yes. How is the word exclusiveness interpreted here? We have multiple, or different kind of relationship lifestyles in the, in the LGBT community and, and in the heterosexual community more and more as well. Mm-hmm. So um, how would that exclusiveness then be uh, interpreted? Would that be a monogamous relationship? Would it be a would it be an, an open relationship? How would that word be interpreted? Well, for the South African uh, courts of law, I would submit that exclusiveness is still being described as a conservative term. So it will be monogamous, monogamous relationship. Um, I I know that in the LGBT community, obviously there is. Um, open relationships, um, but but for legal purposes, I will submit it's a more conservative description. Okay, so it's an example of the law being slow to catch up with reality. So Indeed. we're basically looking back at uh, stuff from the Middle Ages, really. Yes, uh, yes. Common law from the Middle Ages. Okay, so it's time to change that. But I find that interesting because you can also change that in your contract, can't you? Where in your contract you say that a monogamous uh, relationship is not necessarily part of the requirements of this relationship. Or would that go contra moris bonus? You're taking the words out of my mouth. Um, yeah. That will be contra bonus moris. Um, again, for the purposes of interpretation in court. Okay. So it sounds a little bit like we need a contract and um, we can define how we want our relationship to be. But if it comes in a court situation, all that's ignored and we just use the standard old, 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 old. You must keep in mind that the South African family law is um, also still really basically conservative. Mm. So, and it's based on a one-on-one marriage. A monogamous, monogamous marriage. Monogamous marriage, yeah. yeah. So they haven't quite so, caught up with, no. with all the other stuff. No. And God help us when they catch up with all the different sexualities that now exist. So, yes, I think we still have a long way to go. What legal rights do we actually obtain by going into a formalized uh, relationship, either through the contract, that uh, the cohabitation contract, or through the formalizing it through the civil union. What do we get out of all of this that we didn't have before? What rights do we get? There's approximately around four um, rights that you obtain in terms of that. Uh, One is a partner obtain protection in terms of the Domestic Violence Act. We will also discuss that in a future show. Okay. Um, Partners can jointly adopt a child. In the alternative, one partner may adopt the other partner's child as well. Okay, so there are children. Child. Yeah, okay. A partner qualifies as a spouse for purposes of the Immigration Act and a partner may be entitled to the pension fund benefit of the other partner in the event of death. Which is a big one. It's a big one. That, that's a big one, yeah. The pension fund adjudicator um, decided that it will be discriminatory against um, the constitution in terms of uh, sexual orientation if one partner is excluded from the pension interest. Because it's a valid relationship and it's a legalized relationship. Yes. There's an act for it. Yeah. But it should be formalized then. 
It should be formalized. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's more than just saying, in my will, my insurance payout go to this particular beneficiary. It's more than that. Yes. It's obtaining half of the pension for as long as the partner, the surviving partner lives. That's what yes. we're talking about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. So that, that's a big gain. Uh, that we have we it's not only until um, the surviving partner's death mm -hmm. um, in the instance where the marriage is dissolved by uh, divorce then obviously it will be until the date of divorce until the date of divorce yeah. yes okay all right and what responsibilities do the partners actually assume in terms of each other when one of these two uh, legal instruments is signed well, that is actually the party should assume the responsibility, should be expressly assumed. Right. So there's two. The one is that a partner may be registered as a dependent on the other partner's medical aid scheme and a partner qualifies as a spouse in terms of the Interstate Succession Act. And that's also a good one if people are dying without having a will. Yes. Then automatically... It you fall in as a partner where under normal circumstances you just don't feature at all, you're just invisible if, the, if there isn't some kind of a legal instrument. Okay, and what happens when these partnerships break up? Well, basically there's, there's two ways that these partnerships can be dissolved. It's either by death or by separation. Okay. So by death, in the instance where there is children involved or minor children, then if both parents are co-holders of parental rights and responsibilities, the surviving spouse will, or the surviving partner will be the sole co-holder oh, of that, of yeah. that um, right. right. Further to that, the um, surviving partner will also have a right to claim maintenance for the minor children from the late partner's estate. How does that work? So, you can claim from the estate, and when the estate is wound up, then what? Well, that should be before the, the estate's winding up has been finalised. So, you would then, that party would then put in a claim, a claim. To, to the estate in a normal way of things, and yes. just the future data, uh, uh, costings, okay. So, Francois, what are the legal implications if this um, contract that we have, this uh, relationship, is terminated? In other words, if there is a, a sort of LGBT divorce, if the parties then just split ways and go their own ways, what happens then legally? What falls away? What comes? So basically there is two main issues that usually pops up. One is where there's minor children involved mm. and the other one is where there's assets involved. Right. So where there's minor children involved, both partners will remain co-guardian of the children. Automatically? Automatically. Okay. If it's in the best interest of, of the child. Of the child. Correct. If it's not in the best interest of the child, then obviously a different route will be taken. It will go to court. Um, the family advocate will become involved, etc. Right. Both partners will still be liable to maintain the children to their respective means. Right. It is therefore important to have an agreement that stipulates these responsibilities. Responsibilities. And the extent of these responsibilities. The extent of these responsibilities in terms of the children okay. um, from the start. 
And then in the event um, of the partners having joint assets, the court may be approached to, for an order to have these uh, assets divided equally. Irrespective of what the contract was. So if we have a contract, we're getting together and we're saying, you know what, what is yours is yours, what is mine is mine. And what we put together uh, in our relationship, because I am the breadwinner, I'm putting in 80%. So in case of uh, dissolution, then you get 20% of whatever the joint assets are. Would that work? Well, that point was only on the joint assets that they own jointly. So that's proper you and me on on the dotted line. So let's take, for example, where the partners bought a property uh, jointly in which is registered in both their names and um, they want to separate and a dispute arises because one of the the partners doesn't want to buy the other out right so obviously there will be two sides to the story the one party will say but um, I paid the uh, rates and taxes and the water and electricity and you paid the bond Hmm. So then obviously the, the, a court should be approached to make that decision on the division of that asset. Mm. Yeah, it, things can get very complicated mm. with these things. So basically keep a receipt of everything all the time, isn't it? And keep your assets, registers and all the other bits and bobs absolutely spotless. That is very important. That's yes. very important. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the end of our show for today. I hope we have managed to elucidate some of these things you know legal stuff and legalese are very often above our heads so i hope we managed to shine some light onto the subject just as a closing um, statement um, francois what advice would you have for uh, two people that had now met and they are madly in love and they're deciding that they're going to go forward and the last thing on their minds is a legal uh, thing that they have to do. They're seeing everything in rose-colored glasses. What advice would you give to those people? Well, they first need to come back to the ground. Right, so we give them a bit of time to settle. They, well, the thing is they need to approach this as a business transaction. Right. Um, so get all your ducks in a row. Go see an attorney or a legal representative, a duly and proper admitted one, that can give you sound advice. Now, that, I think, is very good and sound advice. You have been listening to Let's Talk, and I am Dr. Ezra Baraldi signing off. And um, with me is Francois Malan, who has given us a big insight into issues around gay and lesbian relationships from the legal perspective. Thank you, Francois. Thank you, Dr. Baraldi. Keep streaming Gay SA Radio, where you are family.